T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. Two days from Super Bowl Sunday. We've got the guest laid out for you today. Super Bowl 40 MVP Heinz Ward joins us. A man who's been to four straight Super Bowls and one of the greatest special teamers in the history of the game. Steve Tasker, Buffalo Bills, joins us on a throwback Thursday. Home and home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out. It's ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest Way to hire a great show planned for you today as well. We'll discuss, does Andy Reid need to win a Super Bowl to be a Hall of Fame head coach? That's the poll at RDC, home and home. Please vote. We'd like to get those results. No is the answer right now. Come on, folks. Way it the other way. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's back home from Miami. He's in Pennsylvania. And we are thrilled to welcome in a two-time Super Bowl champ, the Super Bowl 40 MVP, Heinz Ward, the all-time Steelers leading receiver in yards, catches, and touchdown receptions. Now an offensive assistant coach with the New York JETS. Heinz, always great to have you. You and I worked Mm -hmm. together at NBC, as did Ross Tucker. You and I worked together at CNN. Tell us, how are you enjoying coaching, my friend? <laughs> coaching is not bad. You know, uh, the hours, of course, is a, is a huge adjustment. But uh, if you love football, man, it's, it's kind of where my heart has, has always been. It was a, something that I've always wanted. I was intrigued with coaching because while I was playing, I was basically almost uh, the veteran guy on the team. So I felt like I was coaching while I was playing. So, it's just something that just felt natural. Um, and the Jets um, having, you know, uh, getting an opportunity up here, man, is a blessing in itself. And uh, Coach Adam Gase, he wanted to keep me on for the season, and uh, it's downhill from there. So I've learned a lot, um, kind of being mentored by Sean, Coach John, Sean Jefferson, who I played against uh, in the league, and uh, he's been phenomenal just – Basically, you know, uh, letting me add my two cents in, and and guys have responded well. So I'm extremely blessed and and, and thankful of the opportunity to be here with the Jets. When did you think, like, this might be something that you wanted to do? I know we were doing the broadcasting stuff together. You switched over to coaching, which I'm guessing is a lot more hours. (laughs) (laughs) The hours aren't bad. I mean, yeah. Russ, especially if you love football. You know, I, I love everything about football. It's something we've done for a very long time since we were little kids. But now having an opportunity to kind of spread the word, spread my message to, to, to the players, you know, uh, I guess that's the gratification that you get out of coaching is being able to give a player a nugget that he can go out there and, and have success with. And then he goes out there and execute. Uh, the little tidbit that you told him, and uh, you know that's gratifying for me. So I just felt like me personally, I want some of these players to experience everything that I got out of football. So 
uh, I wanted to try it out uh, while the opportunity uh, presented itself, and uh, it was down here, uh, downhill from there. I loved everything about being in the media, so now I'm on the flip side of things. So, <laughs> you know, now getting more of the, the details uh, of play calling and things like that. But, you know, I've learned a lot about myself. Um, you know, we had to overcome adversity this year, starting the season off at one and seven. And, and you guys know, I mean, um, in this media market here in New York, and you know that thing could have went downhill fast. But I uh, praise the guys for kind of you know just keeping their head down and and just grinding, and that's what we did each and every day. And really, we, you know weren't listening to the outside noise, uh, sort of say. We just kept going out and, and getting better each day at practice. And uh, to turn this thing around and finish the last half of the season six and two, uh, that's something that we can build off of. Yeah, one and seven to six and two, an impressive turnaround for Coach Gase and the entire New York Jets staff and the players. Talking to Heinz Ward, two-time Super Bowl MVP, uh, one-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time champ. Uh, thrilled to see you in coaching, Heinz. Interesting, a lot of discussion about coaching today, and that is, of course, because your former team, it has to do with the Rooney Rule and the lack of success we've seen hiring minority coaches, in particular coordinators and head coaches. And yesterday, the commissioner said it's clear we need to change and do something different. No reason to expect that we're going to have a different outcome next year without some kinds of changes. What does the NFL need to do to get more minority coaches all throughout the ranks and certainly at the head coach spot? Well, I think the Rooney rule kind of gives guys an opportunity just to put themselves in front of owners so owners get to know kind of who the minority uh, coaches are uh, that are in, it, in the league. Uh, it's disappointing sometimes where, you know, you see guys, uh, you look at their resume and, and how many years and what they've done in this world and, and still aren't given those opportunities. But the only way to solve those thing, uh, things like that is through dialogue. You know, continuing to put it out there, continuing to talk, uh, continuing to have interviews, so more minority coordinators can 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 be in front of owners and things like that. And all it takes is just one. So, um, you know, I'm not discouraged about it um, because I think eventually you will see more minorities kind of uh, getting opportunities and, and and filling those roles and uh, head coaching roles. But uh, overall, I mean, it's great that, that, that we are having dialogue about it because that's the only way I think you get people talking and it really puts it shines a light on the situation. So um thankful. We had a great owner, and the Rooney Rule gave Mike Tomlin an opportunity. So uh, it can be done. It's uh, just a matter of just, you know, timing. Timing is everything. You know, Hines, it's interesting. This is sort of my my take on it, and I wanted to get your opinion. Is I think it goes all the way back to there not being as many African American quarterbacks, you know, even in the '80s and '90s as there are now. And so then, when you look at some, of, and that's college and NFL, and then you look at who gets hired, it seems like it's all offensive coordinators who before that they were quarterback coaches and there just aren't that many African-American quarterback coaches. I feel like we need more guys like Byron Left. Yeah. 
now they're offensive coordinators because it seems like all these owners want to hire the Kyle Shanahan or the McVay or the, you know, the young play caller quarterback guru guy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Byron Leftwich and I mean, a guy who's played the quarterback position, uh, you know, he's played at a high level. So it was great to see Bruce Arians giving him an opportunity. Uh, Eric Benemy, I don't know what more he has to do to prove himself as worthy of, of, of kind of, you know, getting an opportunity to be a head coach one day. You know, people always say uh, he doesn't call the play or whatever, but there's been a lot of coordinators that may not call the plays that, that get the head coaching position. So uh, it's just a matter of just, yes, you're right. You know, uh, there aren't that many uh, African-American uh, quarterbacks in the league, uh, but, you know, we, we do have them. It's not the – sit there and say that the only way to become a head coach is you have to be a coordinator. I think that's been proven this year with the hiring of some of the head coaches around the league. But um, I, I love it that we're even talking about it because, you know, having that dialogue will only open up doors and create those opportunities. And I think, you know, will soon come in the future. And, and, and to piggyback off of that, Hines, I feel like as a result, I think they should extend the Rooney rule to coordinators and to position coaches because so many guys just hire people that they know or whatever. And I, I like the, the idea that if you have to interview at least a minority for every position, even if you ultimately don't hire them or you hire somebody you know or whatever, you can say, you know what, I didn't hire him to be my coordinator, but damn, Heinz Ward was impressive. Like, He's going to be a coordinator. He's going to be it soon. He's ready. I just think that that would really help uh, get more minorities hired at quarterback coach at the coordinator positions. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, there's a, plenty of qualified guys that can, you know, have uh, great potential to be leaders and be become head coaches. You just don't have to be uh, a coordinator to be a head coach. You know, all you all minorities and all coaches I think really they all they ask for is an opportunity so you know being interviewed in any position uh, will be wonderful for minorities just to go out there and prove their worth and you know all minorities really ask for is an opportunity you know and 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 just let them go out there and prove themselves and there's so many minority uh, uh, position coaches coordinators through the league that, you know, if given that opportunity, who knows, you know, maybe an owner take a chance on them. Uh, because there's plenty of Mike Tomlins uh, out there in the league. And, and it's just a matter of yep. just giving that person an opportunity to showcase what he can do. Good to hear the commissioner acknowledge change is needed. I think Ross is spot on. They will extend it to all the positional coaches. Talking to Heinz Ward, Super Bowl 40 MVP, caught five catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown in that Amazing win over Seattle. A touchdown catch from Antoine randall But, Hines, you have a Super Bowl experience that you clearly didn't feel into the game in that first quarter, and you've talked about this. Maybe it was the night of sleep. Maybe it was not knowing how this week was going to play out. But what types of things might catch a Tyreek Hill or a Debo Samuel off guard based on the experience you had? What do you remember? <laughs> well, there's nothing. There's no bigger stage than the Super Bowl. I mean, if it's your first time ever playing in the Super Bowl, the nerves are, are unreal. <laughs> you know, you, you can't – you get sleepless the night before. You're just thinking about all the times, you know, 
uh, growing up as a kid, dreaming about the opportunity of playing in the Super Bowl. Now you're just uh, a night before the Super Bowl, you get an opportunity to play in it, so your nerves are just kind of all over the place. And then waking up and, and driving to the stadium, you know, the pageantry uh, uh, of, of the Super Bowl. You know, you see the celebs on the sidelines. You see all the, the glitz and glamours and, and of what the Super Bowl is all about. Uh, I remember playing in my first one in, in Detroit, and, and I was out there, and I saw celebs on the sideline saying, come on, Hines, let's go. And I'm out there trying to put my Odell Beckham on, trying to show out in front of the, the celebs out on the field during pregame, and I wore myself out. <laughs> I was physically tired when I came off the pregame warm-ups, and the nerves got the best of me, I actually went into the bathroom and had to uh, throw up a little bit. <laughs> I've never thrown up ever a day in my life. And so that just comes with the uh, the Super Bowl and what it, what the Super Bowl means. So a lot of guys, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, explain. You, you know, all the leaders can say, hey, it's going to be good, it's going to be this and that. But until you get out there and experience it for yourself, it's unreal. And so some of the guys who've never played in the Super Bowl, you know, they're going to have to deal with that. And then, you know, when the kickoff begins, you see all the flashing lights. And, and, and now it's just getting back to playing football. But then, you know, as a player, you want to impact the game so much. So you try so hard that you end up messing up. And I can recall, you know, uh, in Super Bowl Forty, I make a catch 10 out of 10 times. And it was something, a routine catch, and I end up dropping the touchdown, which I just thought – that's the touchdown is going to make us lose the game. If I if I make that catch, you know we win the game. But luckily for me, I had another opportunity uh, to to help our team win. But all I can recall from that Super Bowl is this easy pass that I dropped in the corner of the end zone. You know everybody's patting me on the back, and uh, I was being named Super Bowl MVP and and winning the Super Bowl for the first time. Uh, but all I could think about is that one play, and that's that the, the nerves of playing in the Super Bowl got the best of me. That's amazing, Hines. I never heard that story before. I did hear the story about you not having an ACL, but for our, <laughs> our viewers and listeners, I still don't get that. Like I don't, I don't, I don't get, get it get either. How you were so good without an ACL. And, like, if a guy tears his ACL, they have to have surgery. Why don't they just – everybody talks about Ronnie Locke cutting his pinky off. When these guys tear an ACL, why don't they just keep playing like Heinz Ward did? Hey, I'm a freak of nature, man. And I tell, you know, I do a lot of speaking uh, engagements around the high schools, and, and I can't explain uh, how God uh, the, has really blessed me. I mean, I built this raggedy ramp uh, in fourth grade and, you know, had a center block with a little four-by-four four piece of wood, and halfway in the air this ramp explodes and the bike goes one way and my body goes the next and next thing you know I fractured my kneecap and the doctors missed that I tore my ACL at the same time so six weeks later after the cast uh, they cut the cast off I'm back to playing sports and I played football basketball baseball AAU baseball and all through high school and college I go to University of Georgia play four years after I graduate uh, and go to the combines uh, they put me on the table and they tug on my knee and they was like, hell, son, you don't have an ACL. I was like, well, good. I can't tear it. And they was like, no, that's not good. So I got list listed as a high uh, draft pick, a high-risk draft pick because I didn't have an ACL. So my draft stock kind of slipped a little bit because I was out here running around with nothing in my knee. <laughs> no stability. 
<laughs> no stability. Talking to two times <laughs> Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl 40 MVP, Heinz Ward. One of the fascinating things about this particular Super Bowl on Sunday is the two receiving cores. Now you look at Kansas City with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and and Sammy Watkins underrated is that San Francisco group with Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, and of course, George Kittle. So who has the best unit on that field? Michael Irvin was asked about that. Here's who he says might have the better receiving core. We were talking about the wide receivers in this game, and obviously people look at Kansas City and what, what they have at that grouping. But over on the 49ers side, do you feel like they're getting downplayed a little bit? What do you make of the wide receiver core that Jimmy Garoppolo's got coming up on Sunday? And, and they are getting downplayed, and, and, and rightfully so if you're doing a comparative analysis to what uh, Kansas City has at the wide receiver position. But, but, but since they got Emmanuel Sanders in San Francisco in week eight, you look at Garoppolo's numbers, Jimmy Garoppolo's numbers since week eight and how they've taken off. And it's not just affected the quarterback position. Look at Adebo Samuel has taken off since week eight because they have a young guy there and Debo Samuel and all those young guys, and then they put a veteran in and taught these young guys now or teaching these young guys now how to prepare and how to play at this level. And that combination is creating a great, great combination for them at the wide receiver position. So Michael Irvin on the best receiving core in the Super Bowl. Hines Ward with us. Hines, who do you think has the best receiving core in this game and who will be a bigger factor on Sunday? Um, I don't, I'm going to probably have to go with the Kansas City Chiefs just because of the opportunities, you know. I just think uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to get back there, sling it 30, 40 times a game, and, and they can score real fast. You know, everybody's comparing them to the Golden State Warriors, so it doesn't take Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins long uh, to make an impact on the game. All they need is one or two catches, and they can change the game completely. But uh, you know, Manuel Sanders, I had him in Pittsburgh when he was a rookie, along with Antonio Brown and Mike Wallace. And, you know, he's proven uh, he's, he can play on the big stage, playing with Peyton Manning out at Denver and, and playing, having some playoff experience in Pittsburgh. So uh, I don't think the stage would be too big for him. So I look for him to kind of take over that leadership role. Uh, to the other guys, and I just think for San Francisco, their offense, the key for them is, is running the ball and keeping uh, Patrick Mahomes and that high-octane offense off the field, and that's kind of their game plan. So, uh, But I still just have to go with uh, the Chiefs just because of the opportunities that they're going to get over the opportunities San Francisco receivers are going to get. Don't want to put words in your mouth. Is that a Chiefs win prediction from Heinz Ward? Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with the Chiefs. I mean, I, I just think for Andy Reid, I mean, I've, I I know him personally, and, and all the great things that, uh, you know, the knowledge that he's given me, the advice over the years. You know, he's just an all-around good dude, and I think all the players who play for Andy Reid kind of are cheering for him to to get that first Super Bowl win. So I'm gonna go with uh, with Andy Reid and the Chiefs in this one. We're discussing this morning. Does Andy Reid need a Super Bowl win to get in the Hall of Fame. I want to ask you quickly before we go about the Hall of Fame finalists this year, three safeties, four really, but I'm splitting hairs between three, Troy Polamalu, who you know very, very well, Steve Atwater and John Lynch. Pick two of that group, and then the wide receivers, <laughs> Reggie That's Wayne tough. 
<laughs> and then there's then there's the safeties. I want to put you on the spot here too. Reggie Wayne, Tory Holt, Isaac Bruce. Pick one of that group. You know what? I, of course, I'm gonna be a little biased and go with Troy. I mean, Troy is a difference maker, man. I played years there in Pittsburgh and had opportunity to go against him each and every day of practice. Man, he's just a game changer. I mean, but all oh, you can't go wrong with any of those guys. But uh, uh, Lynch, of course, he's knocked me out a couple of times. So we had some good battles down at Tampa and, and in Denver. Uh, at water, um, grew up watching him, man. You know, uh, a lot of receivers feared him crossing the middle. I can tell you that. Uh, but all those guys are proven. I mean, they're all Hall of Famers. It's just a matter of time when they get in. But I'm gonna have to go with Troy and, and Lynch because I played against Lynch. So those are my two safeties. As far as wide receivers, kind of hard. I mean. What Torrey Holden Isaac Bruce did in, in, in St. Louis, I mean, the greatest show on turf. Um, they were with the Rams. Um, they represent what the Rams receivers are all about, just playmaking abilities left and right, um, great technician, route runners, great hands, can, can catch. Um, you know, I grew up watching those guys and playing against those guys, man, just phenomenal athletes. And, and Reggie Wayne, I mean, he's the counterpart to – so many great years uh, with the Indianapolis Colts and Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, just watching those two guys. So uh, it's hard to really go with one. Um, so I'm going to go with the the older of the group. I'm going to go with Isaac Bruce. I know he's been uh that final finalist uh, list for a while now. So uh, I'd be glad to see him get in. He's He's been waiting a long time. Very interesting uh, to see who gets the nod. We hope to see Heinz Ward in the Hall of Fame. You've got the resume, my friend. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much. Two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl MVP, Heinz Ward. Good luck with the Jets next season. Finished at 6-2. and two. Keep it going next year. Okay, anytime, guys. Appreciate it. All right, my friend. Heinz Ward, the Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl 40, Ross. Caught that pass from Antoine randall L. I thought a, a, a lot of interesting things there, but that he threw up, that he had never thrown up ever in his career, that he threw up before the Super Bowl tells you a lot about the experience these guys are about to endure. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear he is the best wide receiver in NFL history that had no ACL, that threw up before the Super Bowl, and even though he was the MVP, is still mad about the one pass he dropped. I mean, that that tells you a lot about Heinz Ward, the type of person he is, the type of player he is, loved the way he handled the Rooney Rule questions. You know, I don't want to put too much stock, Dave, in how guys um, talk with the media. But, you know, there's a reason why guys that play double-digit years in the NFL seemingly all sound the same because they, they take very, very similar approaches to get to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Heinz Ward, uh, one of a kind. Um, interesting to hear him. I'm, I'm happy to hear him pick from the, uh, the wide receiver and the safety group. And you and I are going to get into that later in the program. We have a hall of fame voter on the show, Howard Balzer. Uh, you know him well, Ross. So this will be interesting trying to split hairs among the safeties and the wide receivers, arguably even the offensive lineman is a very, very tough 
decision. Uh, it's just going to make for a very uh, fascinating discussion. Up next, though, we're going to get into the question of Andy Reid in the Hall of Fame. We put this poll question out at RDC, home at home. Does Big Red need a Super Bowl win to get into the Hall of Fame? We will debate that next. It is Andy Reid Appreciation Day. WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia. I've got my Andy Reid, Tommy Bahama shirt on just to show some love for Andy Reid, but we'll debate that after a quick break. And also Steve Tasker, who went to four straight Super Bowls with the Bills ahead on this program after a break. Yeah, but first, Dave, everybody needs to admire my sleeveless hoodie. We talked (laughs) about it on Tuesday's show after the guys wore that at media night. Everybody also needs to appreciate Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz. Dylan and I go way back, and he experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. You can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com enter. You see, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates faster. So, yeah, so. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com enter. That's ziprecruiter.com E-N-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Two days away from Super Bowl Sunday. It's a throwback Thursday, home and home. The start of the program with a throwback to Heinz Ward, two-time Super Bowl champ, Super Bowl 40 MVP, told us about throwing up on Super Bowl Sunday and the nerves that go along with it. Coming up on the show, Steve Tasker, Bills legend, arguably the greatest special teamer that ever played the game. He'll tell us about the experience of going to four straight Super Bowls with the Bills and, of course, 
losing those four straight. Just a few minutes. Alex Gold from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City checks in on the Chiefs from Miami, tells us about Patrick Mahomes' preparation for the big game. It's a hump day, a post-hump day, a throwback Thursday, home and home, radio.com sports original. We're brought to you, of course, every day by ZipRecruiter. You got to check them out for free. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. And it is also Andy Reid Appreciation Day of all cities in Philadelphia at Sports Radio WIP in Philadelphia, where they probably had more angry Andy Reid callers than anyone can ever imagine, where Andy Reid was booed week in and week out, screamed at over the sports radio airwaves. Yes, Andy Reid Appreciation Day in Philly, and that's where I... I'm wearing a Tommy Bahama. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker's back home from Miami in Pennsylvania, where it is Andy Reid Appreciation Day. And we bring this up because the discussion has dominated Super Bowl week. Does Andy Reid, the legendary coach of the Chiefs, 15 years removed from his first Super Bowl experience with those Philadelphia Eagles, when, of course, they lost the New England Patriots. Does Andy Reid need a Super Bowl win to get into the Hall of Fame? We'll hear from a couple Hall of Famers on that question shortly. Rod Woodson and the bus, Jerome Bettis. But first, Ross Tucker, I got a feeling where you are leaning on this. That's our poll question at RDC, home and home. Does Big Red need a win to get in the Hall? Absolutely not. That is ridiculous. Look, I understand that the goal is to win a Super Bowl. I I get it. Like, that's what everybody's trying to do. But as you know, Dave, we've talked about this before. I am more impressed by any coach that's able to win at a consistent level at multiple stops or with multiple quarterbacks as opposed to someone that just has success with one quarterback or one place. I'm not taking anything away from Belichick. He's amazing. But even look at the two coaches that just got in, right? Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher. Jimmy Johnson won two Mm. Super Bowls. Very impressive. It was back-to-back years with the same group of guys. Bill Cowher went to two Super Bowls, won one, both times with the Steelers. Although, in fairness to him, it was two different groups, mid-90s, mid-2000s. I don't know if there's any guy that was on both of those teams. But the coaches, I think, are crazy impressive, Dave. Marty Schottenheimer getting 12, 13, 14 wins with the Browns, Chiefs, Redskins when I was there, unbelievable comeback season, Chargers, Dan Reeves, your guy, Dave. Three Super Bowls with the Broncos, a Super Bowl with the Falcons, playoffs twice with, you know, obviously the New York Giants. Dick Vermeil able to go ahead and win a Super Bowl with the Rams, go to a Super Bowl with the Eagles, have success with the Chiefs. I just don't think people appreciate, Dave, how hard it is to get a totally unique group of men together and to build sustained success from that. I mean, when Andy Reid took over the Eagles, it was the the low point of the 20 years I was a fan of the Eagles. It was 1999 or 1998. They were 3 and 13. 
Three and 13. You know what Andy Reid did? Five straight years of at least 11 wins and at least at least one playoff victory. Are you kidding me? Five conference championships in all, including four straight. Then he goes to Kansas City. They were 2-14. and 14. You know what they've done since he got there? Seven straight winning seasons. Playoffs in all of them but one. Back-to-back conference championship games. And he's in the Super Bowl again. That, to me, is Hall of Fame coaching. And you made the case for no. Thank you for mentioning. And by the way, my answer is yes, he needs a Super Bowl win to get in the Hall of Fame without question. And you made the case. You made my point for me, and it's one name. And one name I can't get past to put Andy Reid in, Dan freaking Reeves. Four Super Bowls. He went to the Super Bowl, as you just mentioned, with two different teams Dan Reeves not in the Hall of Fame. There are numerous, numerous coaches that will never get in the Hall of Fame that have a Super Bowl ring. That's what separates good coaches from great coaches. There are even coaches in the Hall of Fame with a Super Bowl ring who will forever be debated, are they really Hall of Fame worthy? 100%, absolutely. Andy Reid has to win a Super Bowl to be considered a Hall of Fame Head coach, that's what makes you truly great in this game. That's just the way it is. He belongs on the ring of honor at two different organizations. No question about it. But does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame if he takes this collection of talent, this collection of track stars, superstars, and the greatest quarterback in the game today and now an outstanding defense and does not win a Super Bowl? That tells me he's not a Hall of Famer. The last time he was there, 15 years ago, what did Andy Reid do? Clock management down the stretch was poor, and you can't possibly say ahead of this game. If Andy Reid goes out there and late in this game shits his pants, bad clock management, bad decisions down the stretch, and you're going to tell me he's a Hall of Famer? That is ludicrous. If twice we've seen one of the great coaches all time, in your words, if we see that guy crumble under the spotlight of the Super Bowl twice, that's proof that he's not a Hall of Famer. He has to win this game or he has to win a Super Bowl next year or the year after. He has to get it done with this amazing collection of superstar talent. No question about it. 100% Ross. I don't understand. Tell me if this game ends the the way it did with Philly and New England. You're going to sit here and say Andy Reid's a Hall of Famer. Hold on a second. Dave, you're you're already finishing this game. Yes. Hall of Famer. Yes. Yes. If if he has poor clock management down the stretch, the same way he did with Philly against New England, he's a Hall of Famer who doesn't know how to win the biggest game. Yes. He's already a Hall of Famer in my mind. He's already a Hall of Famer in my mind. But I think Dan Reeves is too. I think Dan Reeves is a Hall of Famer too. But he's not. Like so. Okay. The the standard we have. Dan Reeves is not a Hall of Famer. What are you more impressed by? Are you more impressed by what Andy Reid has done in Philadelphia and in Kansas City or the fact that when Bill Cowher was coach of the Steelers that one year with Heinz Ward, they beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl? Hey, listen, I don't think Bill Cowher's a Hall of Famer. 
I don't okay. like this in 10 okay, years. That's good. I'm with you on that. But but the problem is here's the standard. Here's the hall. Dan Reeves ain't getting in. Dan Reeves is not a Hall of Famer, and he's not getting in. He went to four Super Bowls with two different teams. So by that standard, you said it yourself. By that standard, Andy Reeves not a Hall of Famer, period. All right, so there's a difference. You are saying he won't get in. I am saying I think he should. You are looking at what the Hall of Fame has or has not done, and you are stating and probably correctly that if he doesn't win a Super Bowl, they won't vote him in. I am saying if I had a vote, I would vote him in because mm. I am more impressed by what Andy Reid and Dick Vermeil and Dan Reeves have done than I am by what Bill Cowher and frankly, even Jimmy Johnson did. I am making the case that having success multiple places is more impressive than just having to win that big game that one time like Bill Cowher did. I mean, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it doesn't take away his greatness to me at all. Not at all. And by the way, his coach was arguably the greatest coach ever, Don Shula. And they lost that Super Bowl. Don Chula was the head coach, and they lost it. But that doesn't take anything away from me for Dan Marino. Guys like Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers have only even been to one Super Bowl. Right, but to, to compare it to Dan Marino, look, Dan Marino is one of the all-time greats at the position. When the end of the game, you know, in 10 years, and when we're at 150 years of the NFL, you're not going to sit back and say, Andy Reid is one of the all-time greats of coaching, unless, of course, he wins two, three Super Bowls with this Chiefs team, which, quite frankly, I think is possible. And to be clear, what I'm saying is I would not vote for Andy Reid to go to the Hall of Fame right now. No, I, I give him no chance of getting my vote unless he wins a Super Bowl. I want to see him manage the biggest game in the spotlight down the stretch and with this collection of talent. Let's listen in on a couple of Hall of Famers. What do they say about all this? Rod Woodson and Jerome Bettis. Does Andy Reid need the Super Bowl win to get in the Hall? If Andy Reid doesn't win a Super Bowl, does he get into the Hall of Fame? Oh, there's, that pa- there's that pause, yeah. yeah. And if you pause... It's yeah. probably a no, right? Probably a no. Yeah. I, you know, if anybody deserves... The getting a ring, doing what's right, putting good teams together. For, for some odd reason, it just didn't accumulate to that <sighs> getting that one. Lombardi trophy. Yep. Andy Reid needs that. I, I think he deserves First of all, he deserves it mm-hmm. because he's he's dedicated his life to it. He's putting some really good teams together, and just for some odd reason, that team has never put it all together at the right moment. Um, this is the right moment for him. He has a really good team. You know, if you're if you're a head coach, your job is to win the championship, right? Right. And in in winning the championship, if you can mold and and and, and develop young men uh, to be you know role models in the community, all those type of things. I mean, that's all. Uh, that's a, a bonus. Obviously, you would love your your head coach to to help in the development of these young men. But uh, ultimately, he's paid to win uh, football games, right? So. If he doesn't win a championship, you you have to to kind of 
knock them for that, especially when you're we going up uh, with the greatest coaches of all time. Boom. The bus, well said, Jerome Bettis, and I agree, has to win a Super Bowl to get in the hall, Ross. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, I'm looking at the poll results right now, and at RDC Home and Home, there's over 3,000 votes at this point. Yes is 38.2%. The question was, does Andy Reid need to win the Super Bowl to be a Hall of Fame coach? No is 61.8%. So I, I agree with our great listeners, Dave. I agree with the people that follow us on social media at RDC Home and Home, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Dave Briggs TV. The people have voted. The people have spoken. And as is the case in the democracy of this great country that we live in, Dave, the people are always right. You skew. (laughs) No. They're not. We know that. We know Twitter is generally speaking wrong. You also skewed towards your state of Pennsylvania and the city of Philadelphia. I think it, it, this thing is skewed, and it's not going to help me to bring in our good friend Alex Gold from Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. He's probably going to argue against me, and well, he is the co-host of Cody and Gold, and most notably, he loves craft beer and barbecue, and we're talking about both of those in just a minute. But Alex, first, good to have you on the program down there in Miami. Does Andy Reid need to win a Super Bowl to get in the Hall of Fame? I say absolutely yes. Yeah, I don't think he needs it. I think you look at his track record in the National Football League, you look at what he's been able to do uh, with his postseason amount of games played despite the lack of success in the NFC Championship game, but still a track record that he's been able to have. I don't know how you how you look at what he's been able to accomplish over his time in Philly, what he's done for Kansas City, four straight AFC West titles. This is a a franchise that hadn't had back-to-back AFC West titles before. He's done it four straight years. He's in back-to-back AFC title games here. And I I think he's already there, but there's no doubt the perception is that he can't win the big game. And so he becomes an automatic first ballot Hall of Famer, I believe, if he's able to get a win against the 49ers on Sunday. Uh, Yeah, Alex, uh, you're totally right. I mean, if he wins it, he's definitely getting in. If he doesn't win it, I still think, A, he'll eventually win a Super Bowl with Mahomes, or B, if he doesn't, I still think he'll go to enough conference championship games, have enough success, go to enough Super Bowls that he'll be a Hall of Famer. My question is, knowing you're going to do this interview, how much time did you put in to making sure you found a spot where there was a palm tree perfectly behind your head. <laughs> so if you only knew what I went through. So I even got some help. The chair that I, that this laptop is on, I don't know if, you, if you've been around Radio Row, they've got some nice leather chairs. This thing is pretty heavy that this is on here. Uh, and so it took about 25 minutes or so. I even went outside. I said, is outside going to work better? So way too much time to get this uh, done for you guys. Wow. Well, we really appreciate the effort, Alex Gold. Tell me, what is the scene down there in South Beach? What is Miami like as a Super Bowl city? It's hosted more than any other. I have not actually been to a Miami Super Bowl, and I would assume our listeners have not either. 
This is the first go around for me for a Radio Row period, to be quite honest with you. So I, I don't have much to compare it to, but it has been fantastic here to see all the different fan bases. We had a chance even yesterday uh, to go down to the fan experience here, which is fantastic. We're, we're doing some video stuff, kicking field goals, uh, obstacle course. Of course, you got the Vince Lombardi trophy and, and you definitely feel the energy. I, I think yesterday and certainly into today, there's a lot more energy even around the Radio Row with the, the celebrities that are around here. You're starting to see some more fans come down. I, I think there's a lot of Chiefs fans, even over the last week or so we were discussing that aren't going to be able to afford a ticket to the big game, but they want to just be in Miami to feel this energy, to say they were in the city where the Chiefs were taking on the Niners for the Super Bowl. It's, it's been 50 years, guys. It's been a long time. A lot of people never thought this would happen. People have unbelievable stories about what this means to their family and family members that may no longer be with them, even how much this means to them. So people want to be part of it if they're able to make the trip down to Miami, even just to be at some of the watch parties that are going to be going on throughout the weekend. So I, that's what I wanted to ask you about uh, is how many Chiefs fans you think are coming down. I was there Monday and Tuesday. There weren't that many fans yet at opening night. I say it was about 50-50 between the Niners and Chiefs fans, although to be honest with you, their colors are so similar, <laughs> I can't really tell unless I get up close to them. It's really frustrating. But how much of Kansas City do you think is coming down there? It's funny, if you ask anybody, everybody's coming, right? It's, it's one of those things you, you go around and, and everybody on social media are calling in and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be down in Miami. There, there's no way <laughs> that as many people have told us they're going to Miami are going to be here. So I, it's a good question as far as how, how many people truly are going to do it. I'll tell you this, though. Uh, multiple airlines added additional flights for this upcoming weekend, uh, for this week period, thinking that there was going to be more uh, attention and need for it. They've been selling out flights. So people are definitely coming down here. I'll be curious to see what the split is going to be for those just around the city. I think we'll get a better judge of it even uh, tonight and into the weekend. If you're down on just on South Beach, we were down there a little bit last night, and it was still more just a mixture of fans in general, more than it was specifically 49ers and, and Chiefs fans. As you guys know, at events like this, people just want to be uh, a part of it. It's a bucket list item for people just to be a part of Super Bowl week. Pains me to admit that Kansas City fan base is as good as any in football. Being a Denver fan, they will be the louder of the fan bases and the more present there on Sunday. I'm confident of that. You spoke with Lee Steinberg yesterday, and we're talking to Alex Gold, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. Steinberg, of course, the agent of Patrick Mahomes. Did you get any sense of how imminent a new contract is? What do we expect that thing to be? Are we talking $40 million a year? Did you get a feeling like it's coming this year, or might they wait a year? Yeah, I think a lot of it's posturing right now on both sides. You even had Clark Hunt telling uh, Adam Teicher, who covers the Chiefs, uh, he's on the Chiefs beat, saying that yeah, we'd like to get something done in, in 12 to 15 months. We had Lee Steinberg, as you mentioned, on, on our show yesterday, and he said, well, Patrick's got a contract right now, and we're not worried about anything like that. But I, I would be really surprised. Uh, I think it's more just each side saying, all right, let's wait till after the Super Bowl. Let's see where we're at. I mean, he is going to get, whether it's $40 million on average, that's been some of the reported numbers, I think, if you're Lee Steinberg and, and Patrick Mahomes, do you wait to see uh, what Deshaun Watson gets, for example? Because as we know, this kind of this kind of game that works out, you know, if the, Deshaun Watson, let's say, gets 38 and a half, if, if Mahomes is getting 40, I would be very surprised at that point in time. I would think it would have to be more than that. But both sides just kind of playing it close to the vest right now. But I think by the time we get to week one, if not training camp, Mahomes will have a, a new contract. There's Dak Prescott that factors into this as well, just to see where the where the market's going to be kind of set. And we know Mahomes eventually will be the, the highest paid player in the league. 
Without question, I, I got to tell you, I'd be ruthless if I were him. If I'm out there playing with a dislocated kneecap, right about now, you know, you're able to sign like a, a third-year player after their last regular season game. If he was really a gangster, he'd say he's not playing in the Super Bowl until he gets his $100 million fully guaranteed, $40 million a year. That would be amazing. I would give him major, major props for that. He's not going to do it, but there's no way he should play next year without getting a contract. You know, I want to ask you something, Alex. I was at opening night, okay? And I thought it was interesting that there were a couple of, of the – you know, podiums next to each other. Frank Clark, Tyreek Hill. And I've seen people, if they're critical of the Chiefs, one of the reasons they say is because they feel like the Chiefs on some level have compromised the Midwest values by having guys like that on their team. Is there any reservation at all by anybody in Kansas City about some of the guys on the team or, hey, we're winning, we're good, we're giving those guys a second chance in life, blah, blah, blah. I would say the majority of it is what you said at the at the end there, which is people believing in, in second chances and also with what had occurred in, in Kansas City with the Tyreek Hill situation, just in terms of some of the media coverage, there was a ton of backlash, maybe even some misreporting uh, out there in regards to Tyreek Hill and, and some of the audio that was released uh, this past spring, I guess it would have been right around the draft. And so the majority opinion in Kansas City is that, uh, unlike nationally, Tyreek Hill essentially – a lot of people felt like the audio cleared him, which is certainly not not what it did whatsoever. I think there's there's plenty of reasons still to be very concerned uh, about it. But that is more of a national issue, right or wrong. Here in Kansas City, I would say most people have kind of, as bad as it is to say, moved on from it. And yes, when you're winning it, <laughs> unfortunately, it does mask some of that. And, and people are willing to, uh, to go ahead and, and take some of that. I agree with you, though. I thought this would have been a much bigger story nationally this week about Tyreek Hill in his past, about Frank Clark in his past, and I really haven't seen it at much attention. I don't know if some of that comes tonight, guys, honestly, or even tomorrow, because the Chiefs have their final media availability today, and then you really don't have to, to deal with any of that anymore. So I wonder if it's something that we get uh, as far as columns out today or tomorrow that have more attention to it. Yeah, I don't think so. It doesn't feel like anyone's going to make an issue of that story. Interesting, the choices they made. Kareem Hunt now in Cleveland. We saw him just get in trouble again the other day. Talking to Alex Gold, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. How does that Chiefs defense stop the 49ers' relentless ground game? Yeah, that's the number one question everybody has uh, with the Kyle Shanahan and that zone rushing attack that they have. And it's interesting because a name that people maybe don't recognize a whole lot across the country is Mike Pinnell. This is a guy that Kansas City uh, added to the team. I think it was like week eight, week nine of the season. And if you look at when he's been on the field, what they've been able to do against some of these rushing attacks, the two examples are Tennessee and Houston. They've played those teams twice. You saw the first matchup, Derrick Henry run all over Kansas City, what, 188 yards or so. The Texans and Carlos Hyde ran all over Kansas City in the first go around. And then the postseason, they shut down both teams rushing attack. Pinnell did not play in either of those two previous games. In fact, Kansas City uh, has 50 yards less rushing allowed around there with Pinnell and the team. And so he's kind of been, I would say, if you're asking you know, even for an X factor, a little bit on defense besides the obvious guys, Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, Pinnell has been a huge part of their rushing defense. And so 
I think he's a big part of this game plan for Kansas City. Now, he hasn't faced a, a rushing offense like this in terms of the scheme. We, we even had Maurice Jones-Drew uh, on the show yesterday just talking about how difficult, how challenging this is going to be for, for Kansas City. So I think it starts there and make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you. How much trust does San Francisco have in their quarterback? I mean, he, he threw the ball eight times last go-around against the Packers. They clearly weren't able to shut down Raheem Mostert. So I'm curious if they're able to force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball 25 or more times in this game. I, I think that becomes a major challenge for San Francisco and puts Kansas City in a pretty good spot. All right, Alex, I hear that you're into craft beer and barbecue. So welcome into my world, buddy. Uh, I want to hear about this. I want to hear what are your favorite craft beers? And I, I don't know what to say about barbecue. Kansas barbecue is <laughs> excellent. We can just talk. I mean, I haven't eaten anything all day. I'm doing intermittent fasting. So let's just talk about beer instead. Because if we talk about barbecue, I'm going to put my head through this camera. Uh, so craft beer, what are your favorites? Yeah, I thought you wanted to talk some barbecue. We have a barbecue fountain at our table. I, I knew you were here earlier in the week. We didn't have the barbecue fountain set up. We finally had some of our partners send us some barbecue. We actually have a barbecue fountain uh, with some chips and, and bread that people can dip in. So we're going to draw some more attention to uh, uh, to Radio Row here this week. As far as the, uh. the craft beer, in fact, that, that's the fun part about being down here in Miami, checking out some different types of beer as well. But uh, for me, back in, in Kansas City, so I'm more of an IPA guy for the most part. I'll, I'll drink just about anything except for the porters. I'm not a, I'm not a porter guy. Uh, so back home, Boulevard Wheat is, is also one of my, my favorites for sure. And that, that's kind of the fun part about this job, as you know, getting to travel around a little bit and, and try out some different beers. And last night we went to some Cuban restaurant and had a, a Cuban-style beer. I'll be honest, it didn't it didn't taste much different than some of the other the beers. They, they said it was Cuban style, but then I'll be honest, I think I looked at the label and it was uh, brewed right here in, in, in Coral Gables. <laughs> okay. I do not know what a barbecue fountain is, so I need a little more explainer on that. And if you had to go head-to-head, -head, the Cuban-style food against Kansas City barbecue, I don't know if you're a Gates man, head-to-head, um, -head, who wins that matchup? So I'm one of the pickiest eaters. It's something my co-host gives me crap for all the time. So last night trying Cuban food for the first time was actually uh, kind of stepping out of my, my boundaries a little bit. Uh, so it, it was fantastic. I mean, Kansas City barbecue, though, there's nothing better. I lived down in, in Texas for a year and a half in Houston for a little while, and, and they've got great brisket and everything like that. But there's nothing like Kansas City ribs and, and burn-ins. A lot of places will claim they have burn-ins. They're not, they're not actually burn-ins. You, you can't just cut them in cubes and say those are burn-ins, which is what a lot of places around the country will do. Um, so no, Kansas City barbecue, I think if you were to put it up against just about anything, it's going to win. I mean, I, I don't want to knock down Texas barbecue too much. It's not bad. It's better than, than Memphis barbecue. It's better than Carolina barbecue, but uh, KC barbecue on top. Well, I don't know. What, what's your favorite? Well, actually, I, I prefer Memphis barbecue oh. over Kansas City. Well, here's my explanation. Kansas City barbecue is a, is a, tends to be a bit fatty. I mean, would you agree with that? It is, although brisket down in Texas, right? Brisket in Texas has plenty of fat. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, we would like to see a picture of the barbecue fountain. If you could put that, like text us or put it on Twitter. We'll retweet that for you. I have never seen a barbecue It's just like fountain, chocolate but fondue, and, but you put barbecue okay. sauce in it. It's made for the barbecue, though. I guess it handles the... Uh, the, the thickness of uh, the barbecue sauce a little bit better. And what do you dip in it? Well, that's the problem. We had to we were trying to figure out how are we going to get like little smokies or something like that and meat on Radio Row that's not nasty. <laughs> so we ended up going with chips and bread just to get a feel. I, I would love to have brought some chicken and stuff, but that just didn't seem very feasible. 
Yeah, that's the difficulty, knowing what to dip in the barbecue fountain. I don't think meat would fly real well on Radio Row either. <laughs> Alex Gold, great to talk to you, my friend. Check him out, Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City, always available on the radio.com app. Good to have you, my friend. Thank you. Uh, coming up in just a bit, we're going to talk to our good friend Eli Herskowitz about the best prop bets for Super Bowl Sunday. Where is his money going on the big game? And still to come, Steve Tasker, who went to four straight Super Bowls with the Bills. What about that experience? And who's he like in this game after a break, Ross? Yeah, but first I want to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Dave, you always say everybody's our good friend. I mean, I don't, I, I don't even like Eli that much. I wouldn't go that far. He's, a, he's an acquaintance True. at this point. He's not really a good friend. You know who is a good friend? Dylan Miskowitz, the COO of Cafe El Toro. He experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter, saw an immediate difference. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.